Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Well, hello there, my beautiful, juicy, alive, vibrant red women. (laughs) I am so excited to get to be back with you for yet another episode of the Red Podcast. And today, I have a rare and special treat for you because I managed to track down a sister of mine that I've been thinking of having on the Red Podcast for some time, Dr. Saida Desolée. Hello, darling. Yay, so happy to be here. So I want to tell you a little bit about how I know Saida. I know Saida personally, and I also know her work in the world. And one of the things, there are so many things I could tell you that I love about this woman. Um, But not only is she wild and fierce and brings in a kind of level of not even joy de vivre, but passion for life that I think is incredibly intoxicating. She is also somebody who happens to be, yes, a doctor, somebody who has really done the research, done some deep dive work into female sexuality, into male sexuality, into how we can optimize our life's experience to really come together um, in our bodies, in our aliveness, in our power. And so I wanted to have her come on because, as you know, I've been doing some conversations here recently about the transition that I'm still fully fledged in, which is this menopausal transition. You know, I've spoken to you about it before. I'm like seven years into this extraordinary passage. And um, I'm getting a lot of different women's takes on like, how can we move through this transition? What is this transition all about? How do we relate to our bodies, to our sexiness, to our eroticism, to what we want, what we don't want, the changes, all of it. So, Saida, darling, I would love to start yeah. by just, um, you know, just starting off. I know you. I know you've taught on this. I know you have a lot to say about it. So, wherever you want to begin, about what we're really looking at as women when we're, you know, as young as. I hear women as young as 40 starting to go through perimenopause. For me, it was more like 47. I'm now 55. You know, it's a thing, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So tell us your take on it. Well, there's a few things. First, I want to just say it's amazing to reconnect with you. It is a privilege to be speaking with your community. So thank you so much for that. Mm. Secondly, you look amazing. (laughs) I'm in my DJs, but you look incredible and sexy as always. So if anything, that's just amplifying uh, with time. So it's really juicy to to see you because we're on camera and we're doing audio. 
<laughs> and then the, the, the last thing is just the privilege to be able to speak about a topic that essentially is kind of taboo. And in the, in the taboo aspect of this, I, I always call it the power stage of life. I do not call it menopause. I don't like that word. It's a medical term that means that, you know, the cessation of the menzies, but it also it's, it comes with a lot of negative connotation and it's been made into a billion dollar industry feeding off a lot of the fears of women. And so there's a, there's a reason why there's a lot of issues with this time of life. And there's a reason why a lot of women suffer particular symptoms. And there's also a reason why in some of the current tribal cultures that exist on the planet, there is no such word for such a phase and there is no symptoms. And so I've always been rather curious about that my entire career. Uh, I started very, very young and I would, you know, look to my elders for wisdom and I would always ask them, what are you doing to stay so alive and juicy and sexy? Like, because they were living examples of what I wanted for myself. So I want to dive into all of that with you because I think um, as a psychologist, just so people know, I'm a psychologist and I specialize in psychosexuality. I've devoted my life to sexuality, sensuality, desire, pleasure, all of that. Um, a lot of my research is on that. So I'm really concerned with the longevity of pleasure and its evolutionary expression. I'm really concerned with how eros in our lives has a maturation process just like everything else and there is a phase of eros that we get to that's very special so i'd like to list those evolutionary stages mm. just so we see like where we're at and then jump into the topic of how do we work with this power stage and what can be done to optimize our bodies so that and minds and hearts so that this experience this initiatory process is as gracious as it possibly can be Woo! see this is why i love this woman did you just hear that she just did a whole thesis layout for us of what she's going to talk about <laughs> Sexy geek. <laughs> I love it. I love it. She has a lot of Virgo energy. Can you tell? Okay. <laughs> so let's dive in because I'm fascinated and I agree with you, Sada. You know, a lot of what I've been talking about is this shift in power, this shift in power of how we hold our power, of how we sit in our power, of what that even looks like. And I'm, I'm acutely aware of like, I love actually being 55, by the way, y'all. I really do. I, this is my favorite time of my life so far. Like it, it it's, it's fantastic. It's not necessarily easy, but it's been fantastic in the refinement of my own personal being including, of course, my relationship with Eros. I love that you said that Eros is a developmental process throughout our lives. And I want to hear more about that. So wherever you want to begin in all of that, I will let you dive in. Well, let's reframe this initiatory phase. Mm. And I want to be really clear. There are two types of quote unquote menopause, stress-induced and natural. Mm -hmm. Stress-induced menopause is now occurring as early as 30 years old. This means that women are stopping their menses as early as 30 and having postmenopausal symptoms at that age. This is the detrimental effect of environmental stressors and just poor lifestyle experiences and choices. And that type of menopause can be interrupted and you can get your 
cycle back and your fertility back, but it does require certain types of practices and lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. So just for any woman who's listening, who realizes this is happening to her and she's in a category of say chronological time that isn't typically associated with this. Now, what's also interesting just to kind of skip all the way back because of environmental toxins and the blue light of screens, girls as young as five years old are now menstruating. This is not okay. So there's, there is Mm -hmm. something strange going on with the feminine body Mm -hmm. uh, in, in so many regards. And I never speak to these topics from a political stance, so I won't be addressing anything political today. I'm going to be looking at it from a psychosexual place, Mm -hmm. from a place of self-responsibility and solo cultivation, as well as partnered uh, sensual and sexual experience. So environmentally, we're up against a lot, as you can see, because women, young girls should not be menstruating at the age of five. Um, And women at the age of 30 really should still be in their prime fertile time. Um, And this is all being disrupted environmentally. So if we're aware of that, that's really important because then we can kind of take off of ourselves the load, the burden, the guilt, the weirdness of like, why is this happening to me? And this is bad. And start to understand our bodies are attempting to adapt to something very difficult. Mm. This means that if it if it's important to you, you will start to do your own little research and have a look at what are the ways in which I can support my own body to be its most optimal self. When it comes to female hormones, one of the most important organs to really harmonize your hormones is actually your liver. And the liver gets very worn out, congested, overburdened because of the level of toxicity that we're all living in. So if we can practice deeper breathing, uh, drinking clean water, having more kind of green, anything green, veggie-like that we can add into the diet. And then once in a while, like I literally do a liver cleanse twice a year now to support my hormonal system. And I might even start doing three times a year because I'm traveling so much and there's so much toxicity that every time I do it, I just feel so much better. I sleep better and all of this. Okay. So that's one thing that any woman at any age, in any phase, you need to like have a love affair with your liver and just try and learn a little bit. Don't get obsessive about it, but just like gently become aware. Okay. These certain habits are causing strain on the liver and these other habits actually help my liver. And when I help my liver, I help my hormones. So that's like say kindergarten level understanding of some body dynamics. But when I learned about my liver, I was like, wow, I'm going to support my liver as much as I can. So that's where I would like to start the conversation is let's just, instead of feeling doomsday, let's get creative. Let's actually understand our situation and really like feel empowered to do something. So that's like stage one. Stage two is also to understand that there's something very powerful that's going to be happening in the psyche to enter the power stage of life. Now, in older times, say some parts of Africa, you were not even considered an adult until the age of 52. You weren't allowed to be a wisdom keeper until you hit 52. This means that there's something that's been recognized 
in prior times that there is a saging process, not an aging process, a saging process that is natural and important and emergent. Now, something super geeky that I learned, and you can interrupt me at any time, by the way, but something geeky that I learned in looking at, I think it's the, the new female or feminine brain. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And what happens now with our environment and forcing women. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to go back our brain. When you're in your fertile cycle does this really cool thing every month. So when you go from menstruation to ovulation, you're going to be in that left brain. You can conquer the world. You can get it all done and your to-do list and meeting people. And ah, it's really crazy. Hit ovulation to menstruation chaos happens because you shift to your right brain. You feel everything. You're no longer logical. You're feeling everything. So for me as a practitioner, a lover of the body, I went, yay. The first half of my cycle is my sexual practice time. But the second half of the cycle is my emotional evolution, my um, maturity process, emotional time. It's when I'm more psychic. It's when I'm more attuned. It's when I see everything that's going wrong. So I need to like, be really aware of the decisions I made when I was all excited. Now I get to review them. So learning to love the switch back and forth and practicing being in the right brain half of the time is crucial to assisting women once they get to their power stage to transition more smoothly. The problem, though, is society and how we do things. We force women to be in their left brain 24 seven throughout all parts of their cycle. They're not comfortable with the right brain part. Here's what's wild. Once you hit menopause, you will permanently be right brain dominant. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So what that means is if you understand deeper what it means to have your right brain dominate is you don't think logically anymore. You are feeling everything. You're sensing into the top of the trees and the roots of the trees and all of it all. You're sensing what's happening in a space, in a community, in the environment, in the seasons. You're so much more attuned. And this is the wisdom aspect of the saging woman that is crucial because she's so much more connected and attuned to the mystical and to the world and also to the practical, but not from a logical place, but from the cyclical, emotive, uh, psychic place. Now we're not comfortable there. We're not a culture that likes this space. Mm -mm. So it's really difficult for some of us to adapt to this incredible power we also no longer value saging women. We only value the, the young fertile woman for some strange reason. doesn't make any sense to me. It's never made sense to me. So there's two things that we need to understand here is we have to start valuing the saging women. We have to start developing right now a direct and complete relationship with that right brain side. So when we're in that mode, we enjoy it and indulge in it and develop it and grow it because like anything, and Elaine, you know this because if you're not, if you're not um, practicing intuition and instinct, it's, it's a little bit off a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. You have to actually build discernment with, with this more intangible aspect of life. 
And that's mm-hmm. part of the power stage initiation. Mm-hmm. So that's like the medical side, like sort of like the brainy, like what's actually going on that makes that difficult. I haven't touched the hormonal changes yet. I'm just <laughs> talking okay. brain. Right. Well, let's just, let's just feel that together for a moment because, because everything that you're saying you know, this bipolarity that we go through throughout our menstrual years, right? Through our bleeding years where we're going back and forth between these different brain states and we're building this interesting, if you could see me, I'm making the figure of a DNA spiral, spiral codex that is at the base of our existence, right? This, this electromagnetic cycle. And what's so fascinating for me is if I translate that into just like what's happening in my body and y'all can think about what's happening in your body but my body and my brain it's like on one side exactly that like I am having the bigger picture overview even more strongly I'm even more tuned in I'm even more aware of the patterns the symbols the unconscious the dream state or, you know like all the things and yes. there's also this place in me where there's a shift energetically between the the outpouring of energy that wants to take care of anybody to this. And I'm talking about it like from the nurturing mother, which I've had a lot of in my life, done a lot of mothering of many, many people, but there's a shift. And I think that this is the one that really throws us to this new place where I'm now standing, which is actually much more integrated. I'm sitting inside of myself differently and and what it's doing is it it's kind of it's people are kind of feeling like I've pulled back a little bit. It's not that I've pulled back. I'm just not gonna do it for you no more. <laughs> like you have yes. to do it for yourself in every exactly. which way, right? And this is yes. very much in my personal life. Like in my professional life, it's been different because you know, I'm trained to hold space, blah, 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 blah. But in my personal relationships, it's like I've really noticed the arrival of what I call this kind of diamond mother or alchemical mother this one who's like no no you got this you go ahead you go right ahead I'm gonna sit over here and drink my tea yes exactly (laughs) so I would call that the development of your home base right and you get really solid in that space and you get sovereign in that space and you start recognize sovereignty in a lot of other people and you're like, I don't want to interfere with your sovereign process. That's right. I'm here. I'm loving you, but this is actually on. You need to do it. I, I can no longer carry that weight for you. I, it's not that I can no longer. I choose no to no longer do that. Um, I'm curious because I am teaching young women to discover mm-hmm. and develop this home base from a very young age. I don't know if our saging process will evolve at some point, but we've lost the rituals. Right. We don't have these initiatory rituals anymore. We also are not mixing uh, young and old that much anymore. We used to all coexist, but there's a lot of places where it's very cliquey in terms of selective age groupings. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're losing. So a lot of my groups, it's multiple levels of from twenties to seventies, different cultures, different, because I feel it's super crucial to get that mix that we, the, the perspective mix anyways, back to home base. It is, um, a definitely a crucial development and I'm glad that you're feeling it. You're not resisting it. But one of the pain points of the power stage is that a woman has never touched in on her home base, doesn't know where it exists and suddenly is faced with life just going, 
You need to find it because everything about you is now meant to be queen. It's not no longer servant. It's like you're stepping into a different role, a different archetype. And if you don't know that home base, you're just going to be a grumpy, miserable, older person. (laughs) Right. That no one wants to be around rather than contributing this amazing, evocative, turned on, potent energy of a person who really stands in her sovereign space. And like you said, it's not that you're withdrawing and going away from anything. It's that you're standing in that home base, just emanating what sovereignty actually looks like. And we're not comfortable with that. We're comfortable with codependency. We're comfortable with blaming, shaming, and labeling and victimhood. But suddenly you're now in this power stage where you're not even allowed initiatory wise to move through those gates until you deal with this. And if, if you're not dealing with it, moving through those gates is hell, 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 hell. So these resistance points, um, they're trying to burn off Mm -hmm. these, let's say adopted frameworks that are no longer empowering to your version of what it is to be a fully in embodied woman mm. at this time of your life. Mm. We don't have healthy living models of really gorgeous, empowered, radiant, saging women. We really do not. It's starting a little more now, but honestly, a lot of the women who are older than me in my community they're like struggling because they don't have the models. I'm like, you have to be the model. Right. That is right now where we're at in human humanities thing is whomever's in this stage. Now you are the model because there are no models. So we get to literally be on the front lines of innovation and, and, and showing something maybe that's never been done before. And that archetype maybe has never quite existed before because Suddenly, we're also at a time in humanity where a lot of us have money and resources, whereas in the past, we wouldn't have. We would have been dependent or like living off our kids or like there's different structures before. But suddenly now it's it's a very different um, ballpark. So, mm-hmm. so there's that piece. Now, the most important thing that I think in the psyche to understand is, and it's why I... Um, did some work with a OBGYN around menopause Mm -hmm. because we wanted to kind of debunk a lot of the myths around it because there's like insane amount of myths. Like your ovaries stop working. No, they don't stop working. They, they work differently, but they don't actually die or anything. So you're still producing estrogen. It's just the levels are going to be lower. Your um, adrenal glands become crucial for hormonal production. But if you, if they're shot, if they're like, there's nothing left, they can't take on the job of the ovaries. So now you're going to really be struggling. So there's a way that I wanted to prepare women from a young age to be excited about the power stage of life and to establish very early on some really good lifestyle choices that would empower their bodies to move through this time with so much more ease and grace than what has been available to a lot of um, women. So again, It's the power stage of life. Why do I keep saying that? (laughs) One of the interesting things when I was doing a lot of research into more like 
old tribal lineages and saging women and trying to understand things was in the past, like a long time ago, this stage of life was the most sexual time for a woman, not before. Why? I was like, why? Why? We're not hormonally driven to have sex now. Right. There's not, uh, not this like peak of get me pregnant. Like, (laughs) you know, so not a hormonally driven purpose. There's another purpose. Sex isn't meant just for procreation. Sex is uh, an experience to know the divine, to create rapture in a physical embodied way. (laughs) So if women back then, this was their most sexual time, I'm like, well, why would that be? Well, you think about it, you're a lot more free if you can't get pregnant, yeah. right? There's, that whole weight is removed. So now why would you have sex? And you're not going to deal with BS anymore. So the kind of sex you want to have is going to change the way in which your sexual is going to change. But it's actually contrary to the myth not a time where all of that dies and goes away. It does change, but it doesn't die and go away. And many of my students, because they've cultivated a hormonal practice, a body-based practice, a self-love practice, they also get wetter and more turned on and start activating themselves sexually in ways that they never had when they were younger after menopause. So that's intriguing to me. I've had even some in their 70s completely reversed because we did pelvic exams with the gynecologist. We were able to see, okay, that's definitely a 70-year-old vagina. And then a year and a half later, we examined again after she did practices. And the doctor said, this is what it looks like inside of a 30-year-old. And she was shocked. So, okay, we all want to know what those practices are, Saida, because I feel everyone going, yeah. tell me what those damn practices are. <laughs> well, let's, let's just have a look at yeah. things that actually harm women and the things that actually switch us off that mm. happen every single day of our lives. One, sitting. Sitting is the worst thing for a female pelvis. It starts to atrophy everything by your mid-20s. So mm. you have to find a way like the old, you know, rituals of squatting around a fire, bleeding in the woods, like all the squatting stuff, the washing by the river, you're squatting. You go into tribes that still do all the squatting. They don't have chairs. They don't have the same issues that we have. So I find that really interesting. So the first thing is to understand I have a pelvic floor and my breath reaches all the way down into there if I choose to breathe consciously the problem is because we have aversion with our genitals or we have a lot of trauma or a lot of issues going on and pain and this and that we've stuffed everything negative that we possibly could stuff down into this tissue we avoid it we don't breathe all the way down to the perineum which is that area between the vaginal opening and the anus but we are actually designed physiologically to breathe all the way down as you breathe in every your belly expands how many people here tighten their bellies their whole life to have a flat belly we need that belly to poof out when you're inhaling and then very gently it pulls in and lifts up on the exhale this is the diaphragmic breath 
is how babies are breathing. So just that one practice alone can restore a lot of blood flow and blood flow brings oxygenation. Mm -hmm. Oxygenation brings sensation and sensation brings back pleasure and arousal. So just that is such an important practice. How the many second, of you are just breathing right now? When Saida said it, it's like it's automatic. Like she inducts it, right? I did it. I'm all the way down in my perineum. I'm going, oh, there you are. There you are, right? And, you are. And, and and it's exactly right. It's like, it's like, can I live in this part of my body? You know, and yes. that's, like you said, there's many reasons why we haven't wanted to live there, why we are, you know, running from it. And so I just, I'm inviting, as you hear say to talk these, like, just take it into your body, not just through your mind, but let's take it into our bodies together. Yeah, go ahead, love. No, but, but, but it is that. And in, in kind of say the, the Taoist Chinese medicine tradition, the perineum, the point there is called Hui Yin. I used to jokingly call it the Hui Yin. But Hui Yin <laughs> is the meeting point of all the yin meridians, but it's also known as the gate of life and death. And it's the gate of life when it's like a trampoline. Your perineum is breathing like a trampoline. It's flexible and strong. But it's the gate of death when it's either too tight or too loose. Okay. And how do you cure that? The breath I just talked about. Every time you can remember, take full, luscious, deep breaths all the way down. And then just exhale. And just do that every once in a while throughout the day. And just notice, especially if you're going to be, say, self-pleasuring. Most of us, the way we self-pleasure is we tighten and pull up to try and generate sensation. And what you want to do instead is open that whole front body, this feminine line, and breathe, shamelessly breathe and open so that the, the vulva actually engorges and opens with the breath and then relaxes as you're touching. And maybe you're not doing anything special, but just even just exploring sensual touch of your body by breathing where the, the front body is open, the heart is relaxing. That alone will, again, really, really support your pleasure system and really support you to start healing if there's things that are a little like tight or jumbled or contracted in that area. Psychically, it can be intense, but who here is really like up for living a shutdown life. I don't think anyone that's listening to this podcast wants a shutdown life. They wouldn't be here if they did. So this enlivenment, which is essentially like your enlightenment, but embodied. So this enlightenment is on you. It's in your power and it's in the breath and the breath is free and your pleasure is free. Like that's amazing. So as we enter this power stage and we reframe it as hey, this is actually could be the most sexual, most potent time of my life. But it's going to look different. It doesn't look like, a, you know, an 18-year-old porn star. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> right? And the, the thing is, our, our models of what is sexy and feminine are really off. Yeah. So because we, we have visual, performative, now exceptionally filtered ideals, of what that is. And we look down at our bodies and go, I'm not that. And then we give up. It's very sad because we abandoned something incredibly precious, which is this body temple. So now I'm going to get into the role of sensuality to assist in these, this transition into our power stage. 
So I'll pause on this because you might want to say no, something. No, I want to hear it. I want to hear it because I, I, everything that you're saying is, you know, there's this place inside of us where we're like, oh, well, that makes sense. It's so simple, right? But it's like, how many of us are in practices in our lives, right, where we're not consciously recognizing? And I think this goes back to what you said, Sayida, about the, <clears throat> the hidden rite of passage or the hidden the transition, right? We're, like everything else, as the women's body has been minimized to the point where we're meant to just get on with it. It's meant to just, we're meant to just get on with it. We're meant to get, get on with having a period and do everything that we wouldn't otherwise normally do in our lives when we're bleeding, which is absolutely ridiculous because our body is signaling us to do something different. The same is yeah. true for me in this saging process, which I just love and queen, what I call the queening process, like this this energy that's now coming back inside of us. And there is something about recognizing that we're in it and recognizing that we have choice in it and that we actually yes. have sovereignty and we actually have ways and means of working with both the physical, nutritional, hormonal, psychosexual, spiritual transition that we're in. And this is part of why I'm wanting to talk about it on the Red Podcast because I'm like, <clears throat> we're still... We know that it's now a phase, we have the language, but how many of us really truly are actively engaging in this transition, in this metamorphic yes. period? And that's what I'm so fascinated by because that's been my um, area. So I'm I'm super curious to hear what you have to say about this next piece. So let's dive in. Awesome. So yeah. before we get into sensuality and why it's crucial, I want to also say that there is a gateway to pass through with this initiation mm -hmm. and it's designed a very particular way. So all your BS from your youth cannot go through that gate. No, it so cannot. It, it cannot. <laughs> it, it, no. it, it, so then you're going to be stuck and really it's almost like being in the barbed wire and you can't move forward and you can't move yeah. back and it hurts and it's really painful. Yeah. So, why does this happen? Have a look at your life choices. Have you always done exactly what you would love in terms of a career? Or did you just do something for money and really hated it and dreaded it? And every day of that time, you were shutting yourself down. Were you in a relationship for convenience? Or was it really based on your evolution and your you know greatness and beauty and pleasure and all of that? Were you friendships truly the ones that alchemized you and optimized you and uplifted you or did they keep you small was your lifestyle meaning like did you find a way to move your body that created an immense amount of energy and pleasure for yourself i don't say go to the gym because it's not true for everyone but some way to move mm -hmm. or not were you um engaged in habits that actually are life-taking though in the moment they might feel pleasurable but the next day you feel like crap and you kept doing this over and over and over again. So these choices are cumulative and all of that unconscious choosing and behavior isn't welcomed in that power stage of life. And it's a lot to reckon with if, if, you've, if your life's been kind of a mess. And for a lot of us, we let life happen to us. We don't design it. And so we're in a position where when we get to this phase, it's like we, we lose our minds because it's just everything starts to frizzle frazzle because essentially we don't prime the youth to become these queens. 
We tell them this is going to be the worst thing. It's over for you. You're no longer viable as a woman. Everything's like we create so much agony and dread that we literally adopt the very things we're terrified of. We become those things. So a very interesting research, and I think everyone here should actually read this book. It's an incredible book. It's going to liberate you in so many ways. It's called Breaking the Age Code. And it's actual research um, where they can demonstrate very clearly that you just shift one belief around aging, just one, and you'll regain like eight years of high quality living. Just so the psychological belief framework that you are operating by, say the operating system, where anywhere in an insipid way that says you are no longer viable as a woman, your sex life will be over, like whatever you think it's going to be that's bad and awful, you actually adopt that and become that because there's no other way for your system to go because that's the framework that's being held even subconsciously. But we can change it. That's the exciting part. We're, we're our, The plasticity levels of our body is not something we actually understand, but it's extraordinary. And I've seen it over and over and over again. Women go from complete shutdown, unable to have sex, to being like just having the best, most extraordinary sex of their life. And they're in their sixties and seventies. So they give me hope because they're the models that I want to live by. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as you're speaking, one of the things that I'm just want to weave in, Sayida, and then what we can deepen in a little even more is this place where we, that what you just said was so <clears throat> crucial because it made me start thinking of all of the unconscious ways in which I think about aging. And, you know, this this is the water that we're swimming in, Hans. It's it's like there's no shame or blame on us swimming on these waters because this is what is. But we have to make a conscious, like you said, drink the pure, clean water. Like we need to purify the waters that we're drinking and the thoughts that we're having about aging, right? Because it is insidious. And I can see that as where I am in my life now and the messaging that's being given to me, you know, um, around what it means for me to be at this phase in my life. Now, I began very, very intentionally by telling you, this is my favorite time of my life. Like I'm, I'm, I love being where I am. I love the saging process because for me, it's a distillation, it's alchemical. It's like I'm getting to sit in all of this, all of this you know, messed up, hellish things I've done in my past and all the new choices that I've made and the new life that I've created, that I've designed, that I've stepped into that, architecting and designing. So I just want to say for you, wherever you are, it's never, that's what Saeed is saying too, it's never too freaking late. And I think we're given this idea that, oh, it's too late. That's done. You missed the boat on that, right? No, you didn't. You didn't miss the boat on it. You absolutely can choose in the menopause time, in this saging time, I'm going to take that on, menopause out the window, saging time to truly engage. And that's what I'm inspired about is yeah. I, I, I want to I be in that sovereign place for myself. And like you said, we need the role models. This is what feminine leadership is. We need you all to step into this with us. This isn't just about me and Saida. This is about you stepping into this so that we proliferate this new way exactly. of being across the world because that's how we do it is through talking to our girlfriends and our moms and our sisters and saying hey how do you feel about this right this is the conversations that are happening in our bedrooms around our kitchen tables 
So anyway, I'm just passionate about it because I really get what you're saying. So back to sensual pleasure and why we need it. Right. So the way that I regard sensuality, I have a very high regard for it. Yes, she Uh, does. (laughs) Sensuality is the way in which we make sense of reality. Oh, I never heard that one. That's good. Sensuality makes sense of reality, which is true. Think about it. You didn't have your senses, you wouldn't be able to make sense of everything. So we have, for especially women, made a big mistake around sensuality. And that is to encourage women to turn it down or off completely in order to be safe. Has it worked? Is anyone safer? (laughs) No. Here's the problem. And this is because I do run wilderness safaris. I spend a lot of time with predators is a very, very unsafe environment. And I feel the most safe in that environment, but I learned a lot there and you need your full sensuality on board because if you don't have your full senses, you're not taking in information that is so crucial to your safety. If you turn it down or switch it off, you're going to miss the boat on a lot of things. So I've been encouraging women of all ages, turn it all the way on. I'm not take saying abuse it, misuse it. Like the way in which we think of, when we think of sensuality, we think of, I don't know, rubbing chocolate sauce on our bodies and running around and having people lick it off of us. It's not, not that extreme, although you could do that if you want, but it's more like taking the time every day, whatever, what's your favorite beverage? Is it chai? Is it coffee? Oh, me, it's just my tea. Earl Grey tea is my favorite okay. beverage, right? So you take this and you savor it mm-hmm. and you sensualize it. The smell, the texture, the warmth, the taste, like the way it feels when it goes into the body, like all of these things. When we start to sensualize the normal everyday things, we are flexing a very important part of our awareness. Ooh. Yes. I just had a little little shiver of delight at that thought. (laughs) (laughs) And this is important because I really believe in like micro practices that are very ordinary that create extraordinary living. So in whatever way that you can sensualize more, like just notice like in the morning, I'll step out because it's really good for your eyes and your hormones to the early morning sun, whenever you're awake drink it in and take a few minutes to just have morning light come in. Like when I'm doing that, I feel the warmth. Sometimes I almost see like rainbow colors going through the trees. Like there's a very set and it might only be 30 seconds, but I'm just for a moment really living in that sensual experience. And that's what life is actually about. So why sensuality is really important when we're moving through difficult phases is that it's going to take you out of the mental constructs of how it should be and how it shouldn't be into how it is and learning to live with how it is right now. And then sensualizing from there, you're going to become like a pleasure machine. (laughs) You're going to, and and it's essential because if you can self-generate pleasure, you're going to start regulating what's known as stress hormones, which cause very difficult menopause symptoms into pleasure hormonal cycles, which actually help regulate and even out or even eradicate symptoms. 
Mm. So pleasure needs to become even more important in the preparation of and the experience of and even post this initiatory process. And yet it's the time when we give up on it. So that is to me the most horrific thing that we've done to women. Thinking that pleasure belongs to the youth. It's just BS. You will be a pleasure generating creature till your last breath because you're actually designed physiologically to optimally function when you're moving pleasure through your system. And I'm not talking just sexual pleasure. I'm talking the yeah. sensation of joy for no reason, of delight for no reason, of little like your spine went earlier, like these little like movements of electricity that go through the body and you notice them. This is the birthright. So if we can change our focus from this is a time of dread, my life is over, everything's going to be done and shut off, everything's falling apart to this is the greatest, most powerful time of my life, the most sensual sexual time of my life, the time when I'm now in a place where I can self-generate pleasure because it, I don't actually care what anyone else thinks anymore. I understand that this initiatory phase the number one essence of it is where are you paying attention? Mm. Yeah. Where are you paying, investing your life force with your attention? Mm. And if you're feeling drained and tired and lethargic, and what are you paying attention to? Because trust me, I have seen women who have been told by doctors, oh, you know, you're going to need hormone therapy and we need to do the, everything's like shut down and drying out and not working and no libido. And suddenly they meet the new guy or the new girl and woo, everything comes right back. And it came, <laughs> the doctor, no one knows how. Right. It is a mystery. Right. It's a medical right. mystery. They're like, how is this? Because you are designed to run pleasure. And when you run pleasure, you optimize. And so you need to yeah. find natural, easy, gentle ways to create the sensation of joy for no reason, delight for no reason. And if you don't like how you look in the mirror, get rid of all your mirrors, turn off all the lights, and learn to just touch and feel and sensualize. And you'll notice that that round belly that you can't stand looking at actually feels really juicy. You'll notice that those soft thighs you criticize are like, oh my Lord, how delicious and fluffy do those feel? And you're going to start to have a very different lovership with yourself, with your body. And this is what it means to enter the power stage of your life. Mm. So if I could take a sword and eradicate yeah. all this crazy delusional bullshit that is disempowering the women of this world, we need staging women to be fully present and fully alive and switched on because who you are, who we are in that stage is essential and crucial to move humanity forward because wow. we're going to sense and feel things that someone in their left brain can't even fathom. That's and they're right. going to need the words of wisdom that come from a person who is living in that home base, in that sovereign space. 
Ooh, preach it, sister. <laughs> there is so much more that we could dive into, and I'm aware of our timing here. And one of the pieces that I'll just underscore that you just said, Seda, is that I think so fascinating, and it's kind of drawing two things together, like this whole transition from the way in which our brain functions, right, as we enter this aging process, puts us into this <clears throat> more intuitive, more psychic, more aware space of all the interconnections, actually a space where we're way more available to the sensuality of yes. the present moment. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, everyone, but this is real. <clears throat> and we and we give it a bad rap because we get freaked out by it. But your memory, the way your brain is working shifts. Now, I, I've always been someone who has a prosaic memory. I'm a Cancerian moon. I, I, you know, I'm a record keeper, but not of specificity of feeling, of sense, of image. Like it's always been very prosaic for me. It's never been linear. I couldn't tell you when something happened, but I could tell you that it happened, right? <clears throat> for me, what I've noticed <clears throat> in this is there is a different relationship to time that's happening. And this is another subject that I've been talking about a lot. <clears throat> you know, and as a priestess, as a woman who is a mystic, I have a very multidimensional experience of time. Through this gateway of saging, and I think this is probably why you talk about that age of 52 and why, <clears throat> excuse me, why we as women, um, you know, start to shift into our eldership, into our gold, that's the other way we could talk about it, is to do with the fact that we inhabit time differently. And when you inhabit time differently, you go from a culture that tells you you have no time, no space, no money, no energy, right, to take care of yourself, to realizing that that is bullshit, that that's not real, not true. And actually time is able to be bent and moved and it's malleable. And within that, you get to be way more present and presence is where you get to be sensual and it's all tied in together. And we're actually primed, as you've been talking about it, it makes sense to me. We're actually primed for that when we get to this point in our lives, because for many of you, you're done with mothering. You're do you've had your kids. I didn't have kids. I don't say either you didn't either, but you know, you've had your kids. You've done that part of your life. Now you're pulling your energy back into what do I want? Where am I at? Who am I now? And it's a natural movement then to this whole sensual revolution of, oh my gosh, what, how do I like to be touched? And what even feels good anymore? And I don't want to have sex like I used to have sex. I mean, this is a really interesting piece. And we either do one or two things, right? We either, like you said, shut down to it and go, well, I clearly, I don't want to have sex anymore. And it's like, no, actually I do, but I need to explore it. It needs to be different. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and this is what I want you to come back and talk about in another podcast is how we can, as women who are staging, explore the difference of what we want. And I know the first step is the sensuality, but I know that you've got lots more up your sleeve around practices and ways that we can engage. So let's bookmark that because that's a whole nother discussion that I really want us to dive into. Perfect. My I love it. Goodness. So before we go, I want to just um, make sure I cover the five stages of the erotic evolutionary development. Please. Yeah. This, this is my theory that I developed um, when I wrote the book Desire. 
Um, I did present this theory at ASECT, which is kind of the highest level of sexuality educating doctor research training you can have in the US. And it was exceptionally well received. So it's just a theory. It's a theory that's based on observation. So the first stage we're all born into is erotic innocence. We have this very innocent relationship with our bodies and sens mm -hmm. sensual experience and touching the genitals and the nose and the poop and the pee. Like it's just all very innocent and, and we need to protect that erotic innocence in children. And that's, uh, there's been a lot of harm there, but there's also ways in which we can um, kind of bring that back. So a lot of my work with adult women is to bring them back into erotic innocence and have a reclamation of a time when we didn't make it right, wrong, good, bad, but we just experienced our erotic self. Then there's erotic activation, which now, as I said earlier, starts earlier and earlier, but typically it's the teenage years when your hormones kick in and you don't have any choice. And suddenly you realize this whole sex thing and it becomes very intense because you're either bleeding or ejaculating semen or like, and you're just like, there's just so much happening and you're a bit crazy because you're in a hormonal soup that's just insane. And you're doing all kinds of weird things and you're awkwardly growing and, but it's there and we, none of us can really avoid that. <laughs> then the third stage I noticed was erotic exploration because there is a stage where you get curious about sex and what does it mean and what does it look like? What do I like? What don't I like? And most of what's available to you is sex ed at school or some books or pornography or like movies with X-rated or G, you know, R-rated scenes. Um, so it's very, your very basic kind of playful way of discovering sexuality. You experiment, hopefully, hopefully that's the time when you let yourself do that. But there is a time and I hear this line and I always know that when I hear this, a person's moving into stage four and it's, there's got to be more to sex than this. <laughs> and when I hear that a person's transitioning into stage four, where that's erotic expansion, it's where you're interested more, maybe in the tantric sex or the Taoist sex or conscious sexuality or, or something that refines the experience mm -hmm. maybe makes it more subtle maybe um it's more meditative or maybe you're just directing the quality of your arousal differently maybe you're not engaged in so many explicit acts but just going into also quiet moments of deep sexuality so it's a but all of those four stages you're still in some way externally referencing yourself right you're, you're still learning from external sources what is this all about the very last stage is erotic wisdom and this is the only stage which is why that thumb sticks out differently is the only stage where you're self-referenced and now you're back into erotic innocence but with the wisdom of an adult's experiential mind and body and because of this erotic wisdom stage you start to actually self-generate arousal self-generate pleasure and self-generate knowledge and wisdom and guidance without needing external validation or external feedback. And this is really important because you will be comfortable in this stage with an immense amount of eros and not have to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to feel like it's something you have to throw around or bargain with or, you know, whatever the, the deal is you know, of the past, but you just get to delight in it and realize I'm an actual sexual being and this is a beautiful thing. So those are the five stages wow. that I've noticed. 
And of course it's not strict and, you know, there's a lot of gray lines, but as a general, what it made me respect is that in our society, we encourage physical evolution from baby body to adult body. We encourage to an extent mental evolution with all the schools all the way up to you can get a PhD or more in some ways, spiritual development through all the different organizations or ways in which you can develop your spirituality, but emotionally and sexually, we have no models beyond the teenage years. So we as a society don't actually understand what an erotically and emotionally mature adult actually behaves and looks like. So it's actually the job of us all who are now, you know, wanting to be more um, engaged in conscious living and conscious relationship with ourselves and others to start modeling what does it look like to be mature emotionally and sexually. And I can tell you, I'm not impressed with my elders around those subjects. Like a lot of them have either given up on sex or they're still little babies emotionally. And I'm like, what is going on? Why are you behaving like this? And it's, it's not out of our capacity to choose differently, to behave differently, to live in a state of grace. So that's what I want to finish with is the beauty of this power stage initiation. I think one of the essence of knowing you're there, that home base is there's this grace, this graciousness that emanates from your core and you don't have to do anything to get it. It's just one of the beautiful attributes of living inside yourself in this way. Mm. You know, it reminds me, Sada, you know, there was way back, I don't know how many years this was, maybe 25, 30 years ago. There's a book that I read and it was by an author called Laura, Lara Owens and it was called Her Blood is Gold. And it was, okay. you know, and she talks about this metaphor of this process that we're in alchemically, like this is the process where we hold the gold within us. And that's exactly what you're talking about is that there's a return to sit in the gold, in the distillation of everything that we've already been through. And far from being over, this is kind of the ripening, the blossoming of our maturity. And, yes. you know, and that is everything to do with what I'm about in the world and activating women to step into that leadership that is that the legacies that we're here to be the role models that we're here to be like you're saying so wherever you find yourself listening to this where whatever age you're at wherever you are in your journey I just want to encourage you to feel what is being activated what is the area of your erotic self your sensual self that is asking for a renewal, you know, to go through some kind of metamorphic process, because I think we as women are designed to do this throughout our whole lives. And when we understand that, when we truly understand that we are constantly dying and being reborn, that that is the womb mystery, that that is what we carry. Um, there's a tremendous amount of um, not just sovereignty, but empowerment, re-empowerment and a reclamation of our power that happens and there's a lot of work to be done in this arena. So I want to thank you, Seda, for your extraordinary breadth and depth and not just of knowledge, but of embodied wisdom and human humanity and kindness and um, everything that you're doing and your devotion 
to this. I know that you've actually devoted your entire life to this path and I I see it and I am so proud of what you bring into the world. And every time I hear you speak, I just brings tears to my eyes because I'm just so grateful. I'm so mm. grateful for what you bring. I really am. Just to me personally, but to the world, you know, it's really needed. We need these conversations. So thank you, love. Such um, a blessing. <laughs> I'm really actually very tearful about it because I feel um I feel like this is probably the place that we we've least explored as women because for so many reasons that we could get into, but let's explore it. Let's continue to explore it. So for those of you who are really curious about Saida's amazing work, you can find out all the details on the page below this podcast. Um, and you know, she's got amazing offerings out there. You mentioned this, um, offering that you did with a gynecologist or an OBYG. How do people access that? Um, it's called sexy menopause and probably the best, the best way uh, at this time, I don't know if it's publicly available, but it's still available. I just don't know if it's, so the best way would be either go to my website, dareyourdesire.com and leave a contact. Like I really want this program or um, I guess another way, maybe my team can find like a direct link that we can give yeah. to you. Let's see if we can like do this. If we can do that and then you can have access to that information if that feels like. Yeah, because it is, it is, it's good to hear, not just from a psychologist, but also a medical doctor who she's a special doctor because she's devoted to your pleasure. And yeah. that's why I teamed up with her because that's she is not that's, interested yeah. in women shutting down. Um, so it's nice to hear like an actual person from that system be really pro um, a lifelong pleasure. So. Mm, beautiful. Well, my loves, I will be back with the next episode of the Red Podcast very shortly here and another amazing woman's voice will be heard and point of view on what it is for us to stand in our sovereignty and our depth and power as women at this time. So much love to you. Bye for now, everybody. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red Women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings.